Good day. I'm Martin Webb, and welcome to the Climate Report, broadcasting every second and fourth Thursday on KVMR-FM at 6.30 p.m. On today's show, we talk about local energy and climate-related nonprofits, some of your electricity rate options as a PG&E customer, and we close with a long piece on PG&E and the 2020 Zog fire in Shasta and Tehama County, and how a small rural county took them to criminal court and won funding and partial oversight over their local operations in what's being called a bittersweet victory. Well, if we're talking about PG&E rate options and, uh, and the Zog fire, I did want to take a moment to at least quickly bring to listeners' attention several of the local um, nonprofit groups and grassroots organizations that are seeking to utilize our citizens' passion, enthusiasm, and concern for the future in order to make a difference in a group setting. So um, I wanted to just quickly say some of these organizations, uh, feel free to Google them. I don't have contact info. You can just type in their name online and get information on them. What I'm hoping to do actually is set up interviews with each of these one at a time in order to go a little bit more in depth. But there's no reason to keep them a secret until then. So for those of you that might be interested in more activism, we have some local chapters of three different climate-related groups. One is the Citizens Climate Lobby. That's uh, known as the CCL. There is a Nevada County chapter of the Citizens Climate Lobby. As you drive around, you might even see some yard signs that say Citizens Climate Lobby with a little logo of two C's and an L. That's a group that is working, as uh, the name says, in order to be more of a stronger citizen voice in the lobbying and political process. So that's the the, uh, Citizens Climate Lobby Nevada County chapter. Another organization that you could uh, search out is Climate Action Now. That's a name that um, many people have heard about if you've followed climate action in the news over the last uh, couple of decades. Climate Action Now, of course, goes by the acronym CAN, C-A-N. And there's also a Nevada County chapter of Climate Action Now. And those folks tend to um, make sure that they are looking at personal action and uh, a wide range of options uh, beyond perhaps just that. The political focus, of course, um, research shows and demonstrates that all of these things are necessary, personal action as well as political action. So there's the Citizens Climate Lobby, Nevada County Chapter, and then there's Climate Action Now, Nevada County Chapter. And then for those folks that are 30 and younger, there is a local chapter of the Sunrise Movement. That is a movement that has actually been making a difference when it comes to different votes. Every couple of years, they're able to coalesce um, different youth organizations and blocks of voters, sometimes actually in protest of uh, Democratic politicians and their positions. So the Sunrise Movement has become very active nationwide politically, um, trying to galvanize the youth movement. And we have a local chapter of the Sunrise Movement. So again, there's Citizens Climate Lobby, CCL. There's Climate Action Now, CAN. There's the Sunrise Movement. And I'm also aware that within the last few years, our own um, local Nevada Union High School has created their own um, climate club. So if you have any students that are at NU, um, you could encourage them to um, see if that's something that would fit their needs for having a vehicle for placing their concern and activism. There's also the Clean Power Co-op of Nevada County. This is a group that's been around sort of in a dormant stage 
um, for the last couple of decades. But uh, I have an announcement here that they are recruiting for board of directors um, with a deadline to apply of Tuesday, October 10th. So that's the Clean Power Co-op of Nevada County is looking to grow their board of directors and begin making a difference with um, renewable energy efficiency and conservation. Um, if you are someone who is interested in applying or learning more about becoming a board of, uh, director on the Clean Power Co-op of Nevada County, I have an email, and that is robcatsolar, K instead of a C with cat. So Rob, R-O-B-K-A-T, robcatsolar at gmail.com, just like it sounds, but uh, cat with a K, robcatsolar at gmail.com. Okay, so those are um, some places that locals can join together with other locals to make a difference and um, grow our strength because, of course, there's power in numbers when it comes to trying to make a difference and communicate and help our community become more resilient in the face of climate change and the challenges that we have that are unique to our neck of the woods up here. And before I talk about um, our neck of the woods and the challenges we have and fire and, and pg and and the nexus of climate change and all of these issues, I wanted to do sort of an annual quick rundown and service that I provide to listeners, and that is trying to educate people about all the different rate plans that are available at pg and especially now when folks tend to crank up their power use in order to cool their home down and, and have higher bills. So Here are some things that people can consider doing. First of all, there's something called the Power Saver Rewards Program. Power Saver Rewards. It doesn't require you to do anything necessarily different. It doesn't change your rates. But if you reduce your energy use from 4 to 9 p.m. on select special hot summer days between May and October, then you'll get a big bill credit after the season ends. So it's a unique program that if you can show that you're reducing your power use from four to nine on certain power saver rewards days that are announced, they'll let you know, hey, tomorrow from four to nine, reduce your power use. And you'll still pay all the same rates and such, but at the end of the season, after October is over, when they look at your power usage, if it's clear that you reduced it from prior time periods, um, then you will get a credit. What's unique about this program is there's no penalty for not reducing your energy. It's not like if you don't make any changes, anything's different. This is just rewarding people if you can reduce your power. And this is different from time of use rates, which now are the default in PG&E's rate system. Time of use rates are when you pay different prices for peak hours during off-peak hours. So for most PG&E residential customers right now, between 4 to 9, you'll automatically pay a higher rate during those peak periods as opposed to the rest of the day. So this is something different than that. This is something that's even incentivizing you to use less power. It's already an incentive to use less power from four to nine, knowing that you're gonna pay higher than normal rates, but the Power Save Rewards program will actually give you an additional credit if you can reduce your use during that time. There's also something similar called the Smart Rate Program. And they will also, uh, up to 15 days during the summer, they might announce when it's super hot, they'll announce a day ahead of time and say, hey, reduce your usage from four to nine. This program is different. Unlike the Power Saver Rewards, where you just get a credit if you use less, with the Smart Rate Program, if you use power during four to nine, you will pay a ridiculous arm and a leg to really make you not use power. But the catch is this. All rest of the summer, you get a discount on all your rates. So the Smart Rate Program gives you a discount all summer long, and then 10 to 15 days a year, you'll get a warning saying, hey, don't use power 
during this time of day tomorrow. It's a way to save money during this time of year. To close today's show, I'm going to read a longer piece that was published in The Guardian three or four months ago about PG&E, which for those of us that are here local to the radio station, uh, PG&E is oftentimes representing the nexus of our issues with climate change when you talk about how we get our energy, uh, how it's decentralized, power lines everywhere, um, uh, hotter, drier climate, building out into the trees and the wildland urban interface, as they call it. And uh, PG&E is at the center of uh, explosive new challenges and issues that we as a society are facing. And it's been fascinating um, talking to people about the the more frequent PG&E power outages that we've been having as they've sensitized their equipment to shut off quicker as a result of uh, the campfire and other fires. Um, it's been interesting to talk to people who are, are in some cases thinking that it's being done on purpose to make people use less power. Um, you know, on social media, there are a lot of uh, complaints about that. Power outages can be for any reason, of course. Um, but at this rate, it seems as though we really have two choices. It's either uh, have a much more sensitive grid network here up in the trees um, or risk more fires. There, there really is no longer a choice to go back to the way it was, so to speak, as the climate continues to get more and more challenging. But this is a piece that will resonate with people who live here in Northern California and uh, in the last few years and have been experiencing these different um, emergencies and fires and the reckoning that has happened or not happened. Matter of fact, the title of this piece is called The Reckoning That Wasn't. How the largest U.S. power firm avoided a trial for a deadly wildfire. So this is um, written by Danny Aguiano, and uh, the the subheadline says, Families of victims who died in the 2020 Zog fire hope to hold PG&E accountable, but as it has done before, the company agreed to a settlement. So this is what it's like here in Northern California as a result of climate change and our outdated energy systems. The article starts off saying it was supposed to be a public reckoning. Four months ago in late May, America's largest utility was set to go on trial in an effort to hold it accountable for sparking a wildfire that claimed the lives of four people. Family members of the victims of the 2020 Zog fire. And I just want to stop and say, there have been so many fires, so large, so catastrophic, so deadly over the last several years, that it has become easy for me, and I assume others as well, to lose, fi- lose track of these fires, where they are, the names of them, what happened in each one, uh, likely with the exception of the campfire, who no one could forget. But in 2020, during the shutdown, there was the Zog fire, Z-O-G-G. Family members of the victims of the 2020 Zog fire planned to face PG&E executives this year as the company stood trial in a Northern California local county courtroom on manslaughter charges. And another quick aside is what this is talking about is, you know, where people are becoming familiar with how there are different charges. There are federal charges, state charges, local charges 
different layers of the court system. And oftentimes PG&E has penalties um, laid down by the state, the CPUC, the California Public Utilities Commission. What was unique about this, and people might remember the San Bruno fire, they were convicted of, of killing their customers there, blowing up a neighborhood, the campfire. PG&E is considered a convicted felon. And what's unique about this story that I'm reading here is this was a local district attorney in a Northern California county who decided to bring charges against PG&E. And as you can imagine, PG&E is very well funded. They can fund an army of lawyers, whereas a small rural local district attorney's office bringing charges in a local county courtroom has a harder time matching that. <clears throat> so that's, what, that's the setting, though. Family members of the victims of the 2020 Zog fire finally this year in 2023. In late May, early June, they planned to face PG&E executives as the company stood trial on manslaughter charges. But instead, instead, at the very beginning of the trial, Judge Daniel Flynn dismissed all the charges. And like it has done in so many cases before, PG&E agreed to a multi-million dollar settlement. The outcome largely marks the end of a chaotic chapter for the company. Again, this is just four months ago. They are a behemoth in the energy industry that serves about one of every 20 Americans, not one of every 20 Californians. PG&E as a utility provides energy to about one of every 20 Americans in the country and nearly half of all Californians. In recent years, PG&E has been defined by the devastating fires linked to its power equipment that have killed dozens across the state, resulting in mass payouts and the threat of criminal consequences, but arguably little reform. The utility did not have to admit wrongdoing as part of the Shasta County deal for the Zog fire. That's a preferable outcome for PG&E, said Stephen Weissman. He's not just a lecturer at UC Berkeley, he's a former judge at the California Public Utilities Commission. Weissman said, This has been the modus operandi for all these years, to never have to face judgment or face as few judgments as you possibly can. He said this really has been a very successful strategy. As part of a settlement with the Shasta County District Attorney to avoid a trial, PG&E has agreed to pay $45 million to fire prevention and rebuilding efforts in the rural area. Now, it's easy to hear of these fines and things imposed on PG&E because when these catastrophic fires happen, we hear about CPUC saying this many millions and billions and all of this money. And in today's world, it's easy just to com lose complete sight of, of the relative amounts but again, what's unique about this is this is PG&E settling with a county, a small rural county. Shasta County was promised to be given $45 million as a small county in order to enhance their fire prevention and the rebuilding efforts. That's a lot. That's almost a million dollars a week. They also agreed, and this is all to avoid a trial, we'll give you $45 million to help your community and we'll pay a $5 million civil penalty. So they'll pay that to the county, an extra $5 million just as a penalty. The $45 million is supposed to explicitly go to rebuilding and fire prevention. 
That $5 million civil penalty is a significant sum in a small, under-resourced county. But no one seems particularly thrilled with the resolution, not family members of the deceased, nor the district attorney, Stephanie Bridget, who hoped to hold PG&E accountable and force change. Said Bridget when announcing the settlement, This resolution does not make me happy. Taking PG&E to trial and holding them criminally responsible was always our goal. But the tentative ruling changed our position, and I'm unwilling to gamble with the safety of Shasta County. For survivors like Wayne King, whose 79-year-old wife Karen died as she tried to escape the flames, the settlement was a welcome but unsatisfying outcome. Said Wayne King, all the money that pg e has, all the contributions, that won't make up for my loss. pg e has faced years of reckoning over its role in California's wildfire crisis. Between 2017 and 2022, that five-year period, the company set off at least 31 wildfires that wiped away entire towns, burned nearly one and a half million acres, and 24,000 structures, and killed 113 people. The company has been accused of repeatedly prioritizing profits over safety, enriching shareholders, rather than removing trees that pose a danger to its power lines. More radical efforts to reform PG&E, either by splitting it into multiple companies or a takeover by the state government, have not materialized. PG&E has paid billions of dollars to settle claims from fire victims and pleaded guilty to 84 counts of involuntary manslaughter in the 2018 campfire, sparked when a crumbling piece of equipment overdue for replacement by decades, cast sparks into the dry Sierra Nevada foothills, creating a fire that killed dozens of people, destroyed about 14,000 homes, and leveled the town of Paradise. In the aftermath, pg e filed for bankruptcy, replaced its CEO several times over, and pledged to run a safer company that can supply gas and electricity to millions of Californians without injuring or killing its customers. Well, the company was still dealing with the fallout from the campfire when it sparked a new blaze in Shasta and Tehama counties during the shutdown that became known as the Zog Fire. This 2020 disaster started during a windstorm when an ailing gray pine, marked for removal because of its defects, fell on power lines in the rugged mountainous terrain east of Redding. Fueled by fire-friendly conditions, the blaze raced through the tiny towns of Igo and Ono and scattered homes throughout the foothills, consuming more than 56,000 acres. It's easy to lose sight of, of, again, these numbers, but for any of you that own property locally, think about a one-acre property. Now picture a 50-acre property. Now picture a thousand of those. That's what burned, taking out hundreds of homes and forcing people to immediately evacuate. 
The fire quickly traveled the half mile from where it started to the home of animal rights activists Karen King and her husband, Wayne, a half mile away from where it started. Well, by the time they got in their vehicles with their dogs, fire was burning on both sides of the only route to safety. Smoke made it so the road was hardly visible at all. And Karen, who was driving separately, kept falling behind, Wayne King said in an interview with The Guardian. Wayne would stop and honk and wait for her to catch up. And he even turned around to find her more than once. But as they wound down the last stretch of the winding two-lane road, he was alone. Karen didn't come, he said. Later, he'd learned she made it only half a mile past the last spot he saw her. He said she ran off into a gully with the car, and it burned up, and she burned up, and the dog burned up, and all of our records, and all that was in the fire-resistant safe burned up. He said she was a good woman, and I miss her terribly. Three other people died trying to escape the fire. Elena McLeod, 46, and her eight-year-old daughter, Fela. As well as Kenneth Vossen, 52, who was badly burned as he sought refuge at a pond on his rural property and later died at a hospital. For their part, the CPUC, California's public utility regulator, fined PG&E eventually $150 million, which alleged that, according to the CPUC, quote, the tree that caused the fire was not removed in time because of PG&E's poor record-keeping. Well, Bridget, the local Shasta County District Attorney, opted to charge the company, putting an investigator and multiple attorneys from the county on the case. She geared up for a fight against a corporation with substantial resources in order to get justice for the victims and to ensure that PG&E doesn't continue the practices that led to the fire in the first place, she said. Well, from the outset, the imbalance was palpable. She says they have a virtually unlimited budget when it comes to their defense. They have multiple attorneys present at every court appearance. They have significant resources that a small county DA's office doesn't necessarily have. Still, the case moved forward with a local judge finding that PG&E should be criminally prosecuted for its role in the fire and setting the date for a trial this June 2023. The company challenged that ruling, and another judge determined the tree falling on company infrastructure did not necessarily mean PG&E had been negligent, a ruling that led to the charges being dropped and the settlement reached. Under the agreement, as stated, PG&E will fund fuel mitigation efforts. They will fund a scholarship program to increase the number of local firefighters. They will fund a large animal evacuation center and pay for memorials to honor those killed in the fire. More than that, PG&E must also move some of its infrastructure underground 
As part of the settlement, they must also install new weather monitoring stations. And on top of all of that, this giant corporation has to meet regularly with the local district attorney's office to ensure it is complying. Patty Pop, the, the company's current CEO, PG&E, said in a statement, the agreement reflects our continuing commitment to making it right and making it safe. We stand behind our thousands of trained and experienced co-workers and contractors working every day to keep Californians safe. Well, DA Bridget wanted to see the case to go wanted to see the case go to court with all the evidence against PG&E made public, but said she's hopeful about what the agreement means for the county. She said we worked hard with them to try to come up with very measurable things they could do and we could have oversight with them. Ultimately, we want them to be in compliance with the law and so that None of their equipment is going to start a fire that kills another person. Well, back in May, at the Igo store, a one-stop shop and bar, residents shared memories of the blaze three years later and how it forever altered life in the tiny woodsy settlements tucked in the foothills, now green and blooming with wild wild flowers after recent rains. Said Damon Brazell, 82, and a retired sheriff's deputy who lost his home in the disaster, it was terrifying, plain and simple. We'd lived through a lot of fires up here, but never seen anything like that. It took out the heart of the community. There's nothing here anymore. Brazell, the retired sheriff's deputy, ruminated over all the fire took as he sat at the bar surrounded by some of his remaining neighbors. Many people didn't rebuild their homes, he said, and key community gathering places were destroyed. He lost treasured belongings and a property he built. He has a new home, but not one he made with his hands. He said, it broke my spirit. It gave me a big case of the blues, a sadness I don't think I'll get over. As an aside, after the campfire, I attended a very informative and moving and fascinating talk about the rebuilding efforts and how they're trying to make them focused on local and affordability and green and sustainability. And a statistic was quoted that I'll never forget. And they said that in disasters like these and fires that destroy these types of towns, Paradise and Igo and other major destructive events that require years of rebuilding. The stats show that only about 15% of the original residents stay or come back. That so many people are displaced and are forced to put down roots elsewhere and move on, that they no longer are in a place or a position where they can or even want to necessarily move back. Fascinating statistic. The article ends and continues by saying, but Brazell, again, the 82-year-old retired sheriff's deputy, lost his home, like others at the Igo store, were torn about what would constitute a proper punishment. He said, how do you hold a corporation accountable? I think it's kind of fruitless myself. Well, Wayne King said the money promised in the settlement will help ensure the area's safety in future fires. 
The home he shared with Karen survived the fire, and he still lives there. He runs into PG&E workers in the area to remove dead trees as he goes about his errands, trips to the Igo store for lunch, church, and the nearby cemetery where he visits Karen. He said, I get irritated every month when I get a PG&E bill, but I pay it. Still, he says, revenge is the last thing he wants. He said, we were married for 62 years, and we had a very good relationship all of our 62 years. I miss her, but getting even with PG&E is not in my book. Hopefully, they have come to the conclusion they need to do a better job of protecting their lines. It's an article written by uh, Donnie Aguiano in The Guardian back in June, titled The Reckoning That Wasn't How the Largest U.S. Power Firm Avoided a Trial for a Deadly Wildfire. The nexus of energy, climate change, and risk brought directly to our homes here in the Sierra Nevada foothills. That's all for today's Climate Report broadcasting and podcasting here on KVMR-FM and at kvmr.org every second and fourth Thursday at 6.30 p.m. I'm Martin Webb. As always, today's show will be archived and posted to the KVMR website's podcast page for sharing or re-listening. For questions or comments, feel free to email climatereport at kvmr.org.